from Luke 23, where we see the thief on the cross. Now we can think of the experience of the thief on the cross as being different, as being special. How many people are saved down through time because of an an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ? Certainly many in his time were saved when they heard his voice. But when you think of all the believers across all time, those who actually saw the Lord Jesus were a minority. How many people are saved on their deathbed? How many people are saved at the last moment? Certainly, there are large numbers of people who are saved at the last moment, so to speak. But the truth is that most people are saved when they are young. So certainly there are some things about the experience of the thief on the cross that are different, that are particular to his uh, situation. And when we consider uh, his experience, we do not want to be, we do not want to say that we need to be like him in every way. After all, he was a thief. He was a criminal. And so we do not want to follow in his footsteps in that manner. There's this old joke which is told about the pastor coming to speak to someone who used to attend church off and on. And uh, the pastor told him, you need to attend more meetings, the meetings during the week. And the man said, or the thief on the cross didn't attend the meetings during the week. And the pastor told him, you need to give more. And the man said, well, the thief on the cross didn't give. And after this happened a few times, the pastor told the man, you know the difference between you and the thief on the cross is that he was a thief on the cross. You're a thief without a cross. Uh, You're a thief without a cross. Uh, Certainly, there are many particulars about the experience of the thief on the cross that are special to him, that are special uh, to him. But let us not think of those aspects of his experience. Rather, let us think of things that were true of him that can also be true of others true of all who come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think of the state of this man, first of all. And here, instead of saying that he was a thief, let us say, first of all, that he was a sinner. That he was a a sinner. A man who had broken the commandments of men, and had broken them in a way that was wrong and sinful, so that he was also breaking the commandments of God. The Bible says that if we keep the whole law, but offend in one point, then we are guilty of all. And therefore we are 
uh, under condemnation. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3 and verse 19 that whatever things the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and that all the world may become guilty before God. All the world is guilty before God. He was a robber. He was a thief. And in some way, that applies to us, to me. God has given us so many things. God has given us life and health and abilities, time, opportunities, resources. All of these belong to the Lord, and they should be used to serve the Lord and to glorify the Lord. But many times we take these things which belong to the Lord and use them for our own purposes. We use them not to serve the true master, but to serve other false masters. To serve ourselves, to serve the world, to serve wickedness, to serve evil ends and purposes. And in so doing, I am a thief. Also, as we think of this man, we should consider that, to begin with, he was set against the Lord Jesus. It says in Matthew 27 and verse 44 that the thieves also who were crucified with him cast the same in his teeth. And the same is mentioned in Mark chapter 15 and verse 32. The thieves who were crucified with him joined in the scorn and the ridicule which was directed towards him by the crowd, the thieves, plural, the two of them. They joined with the chief priests and the Pharisees, the leaders of uh, the people. Here is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is God in the flesh. He is the Savior. He is suffering for our sakes to bear the punishment for our sins and people all around him, wicked people, are making fun of him and mocking him. And this included the thief of whom we speak. The Bible says that the natural man, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Because they are spiritually discerned. This is the man of whom we speak. Let us now consider the means by which he was converted. What changed him? What had an impact on him? What turned him uh, around? When he was nailed to that cross, he was a man lost in sin. What changed him? He didn't hear a sermon. No one preached in the usual sense of the word at the cross. No prayer meeting was held so that people would pray for a work of God in his heart. No invitation was addressed 
directly uh, to him. In fact, no one addressed him very directly and very clearly at all. And in some sense, this puts us to shame, many of us, because we have heard messages and we have received invitations and people have prayed for us. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter 12 and verses 41 and 42 that the men in Nineveh will rise in judgment with this generation and they will condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, a greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise up in judgment with this generation and condemn it because she came from the farthest parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is uh, here. In some ways we have greater opportunities than the thief on the cross had. You might say, but he was with the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, and how many people standing there and seeing the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross, seeing him crucified like the worst criminal, how many of them very naturally and easily concluded that this is God in the flesh, this is the Savior of uh, the world. Another thing about this person's situation, which may have in some way played a role in his change of mind and heart, he was aware of his coming death. He was aware of his coming death. Now we can say to ourselves, Luke chapter 12 and verse 19, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But that was the fool who was speaking uh, in the parable known as the parable of the rich fool. James chapter 4 and verse 14 tells us, uh, what is your life? It's a vapor that appears for a short time and then vanishes away. Proverbs 27 and verse 1, do not boast yourself of tomorrow. You do not know what a day may bring forth. Amos chapter 4 and verse 12, prepare to meet thy God. Prepare to meet uh, thy God. The thief on the cross knew that he had little time left. We should know, as well, that the time is short. How short? We do not know. We do not know. But the Bible says, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, the time is short. Another matter regarding his change of heart, change of mind, the signs and wonders which occurred at the cross. Darkness for three hours. The earth quaking, rocks being split open. But we need to think with regard to this matter, we need to think precisely, we need to think carefully. As you look at the Gospel of Luke, and as you compare with the accounts of the crucifixion found in the other Gospels, I get the impression that the things that I just mentioned, darkness, earthquake, and the rocks being split, these miraculous signs and wonders which took place at the cross likely took place after the conversion of the thief on the cross. These things likely took place after 
he received the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior. And there are some people who say, why doesn't the Lord do this miracle or that miracle? If I saw a great message written in the clouds, the Lord Jesus said in John chapter 4 and verse 48, except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And he did not say it as a compliment. Uh, remember Thomas, I need to see in his hands the prints of the nails. Put my finger in the print of the nails. I need to thrust my hand into his side. Otherwise, I will not believe. Now the Lord Jesus did many miracles. And the Lord Jesus did appear to Thomas. And he told him, come and put your finger. Come and put your uh, hand. But the Bible has not told us that he has promised to do so in every case. It is not something that we can say is necessary, is expected, is an obligation on his part, a duty towards us. And it was not so for the thief on the cross. The miraculous things actually happened, to the best of our knowledge, afterwards. I have no right to demand such things from uh, the Lord. Most likely, the thief on the cross was not led to repentance and faith by signs and wonders. Perhaps he was influenced by the superscription which was written, uh, placed above the head of the Lord Jesus on the cross. This is Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Could he have remembered certain other writings? Certain writings that came from God, the scriptures, the Old Testament, and its prophecies. He, uh, they pierced my hands and feet. Psalm 22 and verse 16. Uh, Isaiah 53 and verse 5. He was wounded for uh, our transgressions. Perhaps some of the words of the crowd as they mocked the Lord Jesus. Uh, he saved others. Let him save himself. If he be the Christ, the chosen of God, perhaps these words he saved others. Perhaps these words had an impact. The Bible tells us in Psalm 76 and verse 10 that the wrath of man will praise God. Ultimately, what led him to salvation, what led him to repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, was the testimony of the Lord Jesus the words and the works of the Lord Jesus. As they went forth in the procession to Calvary, the Bible says in Luke 23 in verses uh, 27 and 28, that there followed him a great company of people and of women who also bewailed and lamented him. But Jesus turning said unto them, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. That was not what you would expect someone to say. That was not the kind of thing that people would say in that situation. The state of the Lord Jesus at that time was certainly a most difficult state and worthy of weeping. But he said to the daughters of Jerusalem, think of your condition. Think of your situation. 
Think of where you stand before God. Think about the fact that God's judgment is coming. And weep for yourselves. We do not hear from the Lord Jesus words of complaining, words of anger, words of bitterness, curses upon his enemies. Remember how John and James wanted to call down fire from heaven upon the Samaritan villages which did not receive the Lord Jesus. And the Lord Jesus said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. Rather than fire from heaven, there is, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. John chapter 7 and verse 46 Never man spake like this uh, man. Psalm 45 and verse 2. You are fairer than the children of men. Grace is poured into thy lips. Grace is poured into thy lips. Who would say, Father forgive them, for they know not what they do. Who would call for forgiveness? Upon those who are crucifying him. Who would try to find some basis. Some plea. Some argument for this forgiveness. They know not what they do. Perhaps the thief. Said. I was mocking him. I was joining with others. I mocked him wrongly. I was standing with those who crucified him. But he said, Father, forgive them. He said it himself. And so if he prays, if he calls for forgiveness for them, perhaps I can be forgiven. One way or the other, we are led to salvation by seeing the Lord Jesus Christ and him crucified. By seeing the Lord Jesus on the cross of uh, Calvary. People hated the Romans at those times. Most people hated them. Occupiers. How could he say this regarding the Romans? How could he say this regarding those who lay behind what the Romans were doing? The leaders of the people. We see that there is love and mercy. We see that there is grace and forgiveness. We see these things in the person of Christ. And this was what turned him around, what changed his mind, and what changed his heart. Now the Bible tells us that faith uh, reveals itself, manifests itself in certain ways. And this person responding in faith to what he heard and what he saw. First of all, he rebuked a fellow sinner. Do you not fear God? I do not want you to continue railing against the Lord Jesus. I do not want you to continue mocking him. I do not want to stand by while you speak in this way, even though a short while ago, I was saying these same things with you. Now if I keep my silence, perhaps in some way, people will think that I agree with what you are saying. 
No, I will not be silent. No, I will not partake in what is being said. Don't you see and understand that we are in a condemnation justly? We are in a condemnation justly. To admit my own sin, to admit that the condemnation which I receive is a condemnation which I deserve, which I deserve, I will arise and go to my Father, and I will say unto him, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and I am not worthy to be called your son. A willingness to confess our sin. It is a mark that there is a work of God in that uh, heart. A proper understanding of the Lord Jesus. This man has done nothing amiss. This man has done nothing wrong. Of whom could that be said? In that time, before that time, after that time, the Lord Jesus lived a life that was quite public and standing before his enemies. And they had their microscopes and they had their telescopes and they had their magnifying glasses. The Lord Jesus said, which of you convicts me of sin? Which one of you can accuse me of doing anything wrong? Which one of you can accuse me of making a mistake? Someone writing some time ago said that every word that the Lord Jesus did, uh, said, and every action that he took, Think of them carefully and see if you can find a statement which he made that could have been made better than he made it. Or a work that he did which could have been done better than he did it. There is no such thing. The writer goes on to say, He was tender without being weak, strong without being coarse, lowly without being servile. He had conviction without intolerance, enthusiasm without fanaticism, holiness without Phariseeism, passion without prejudice. This man alone never made a false step, never struck a jarring note. His life alone moved on those high levels where local limitations are transcended and where absolute moral purity prevails. It was life at his highest. This man has done nothing amiss. He had a proper understanding also of the Lord Jesus Christ in that he addressed him as Lord. This was one of the names of God. Thomas said, my Lord and my God. 
a manifestation of faith. The Lord Jesus did not at all at that point in time look like he was Lord. He was not then crowned with glory and majesty. He was crowned with thorns and dying an awful and shameful death. His followers had fled. His disciples were gone. Only one of them was there, John, a small number of women. No one was confessing the Lord Jesus as Lord at that time. There wasn't a revival that was ongoing in the immediate vicinity. No crowds were heading down the aisle. But the Bible tells us to enter at the narrow gate. To enter at the narrow gate. Wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many go that way. Narrow is the gate, hard is the way which leads unto life, and few uh, find it. And yet all alone, he was willing to take this step of faith. A A manifestation of his faith, another manifestation, is that he saw his real need. He saw his uh, real uh, need. If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. This is what the first thief said, Luke 23 and verse uh, 39. The second thief, surely in great torment, surely in great pain, could have focused on himself, his problems, his uh, sufferings. Get me out of this problem, get me out of this trouble, get me out of this uh, situation. Get me out of uh, this situation. What do we need a Messiah for? What was the thinking of the time? We need a Messiah to come, a deliverer who will free us from the Romans. Someone who will serve as a political and military uh, leader. That's what uh, we uh, need. That's uh, uh, what, uh, what we need. Do we know our uh, real uh, need? Uh, I remember hearing from someone some time ago, someone who knew someone who knew the very famous basketball player Michael Jordan. And so this pastor had a friend. I think the friend knew someone and he knew Michael Jordan. I hope I'm getting the number of links right. It was something like that. And this friend of Michael Jordan was saved and he decided, I'm going to go and witness to Michael Jordan. And so he did. And Michael Jordan listened to him. And this was during his time as a player, if I'm not mistaken. He listened to him kindly and graciously. And he responded by saying, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for what you have mentioned to me. But right now, right now, I'm very busy with other things. Very busy with uh, uh, other things. Here is a man who saw his real need. His uh, real need. Who saw and understood that he would stand before God. Who saw that there was an eternity. And his real need 
was spiritual. He understood also that in, or, that in order to be saved, he needed to throw himself on God's mercy. He needed, he needed to depend on God's grace and God's mercy. There is no argument here that is based on merit. There is no statement like, for my sake, for the sake of my parents, because when I was young, I was a good boy, because I come from a good family. There is no merit in salvation. God doesn't save us based on us deserving it, because we don't deserve it. There is no past merit, there is no present merit, there is no future merit. There is no such thing as, I'm going to save him because I know that after I save him, he will be a faithful church member, and uh, he will be a pastor, an evangelist, or whatever else a person might do to serve the Lord. It was not so with this man, and it is not so with uh, anyone. It is only grace. And it is only uh, faith. He asked also, we see his faith in that he asked in a humble way. Remember that the disciples, James and John and their mother were with them, asked for a place in the kingdom? No, no. They asked to be seated, one on the right and one on the left. Lord, your disciples have left you. I'm here with you. I'm suffering with you. And just like I'm at your side now, surely you can set me at your side in your kingdom. In your uh, kingdom. Lord, remember me. A humble request. Psalm 40 and verse 17, I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinks on me. Yet the Lord thinks on me. It is a humble request also, in that it recognizes the greatness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, remember me, this is all you need to do. This is all you need uh, uh, to do. I'm not worthy, the centurion said, that you should come under my roof. But all you need to do is speak the word, is speak uh, uh, the uh, word, and my servant will be uh, healed. What is needed on the part of the Lord Jesus is that he will remember. The Bible says that God remembered Noah, Genesis 8.1, and every living thing. God remembered those who were in the ark, and remember that the ark is a symbol of the Lord Jesus Christ. He asked that the Lord remember him. He asked that the Lord remember him. Lord, remember me. Me. How does salvation work? It is a personal matter. 
It is a personal matter. As many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God, even to those who believed on his name. Paul the Apostle said, I wish that I could be saved for others, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. But this is not possible. Everyone will give an account of himself to God. Lord, remember me. Also, he addressed the Lord Jesus Christ and nobody else. Not far from the foot of the cross of the Lord Jesus was his mother Mary. And this thief, if he had the spirit of some around us today, he would have addressed himself to Mary. Also present was John. John is one of the apostles. Perhaps you can intercede, John, for me with the Lord Jesus so that he will show mercy to me. But such intercession, the whole idea, is entirely unbiblical. There is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. He is able to save them to the uttermost who come unto God by him, seeing that he ever lives to make intercession for them. And so this man addressed himself directly to the Lord Jesus. He also made in so doing, an open and public confession of the Lord Jesus. He spoke before all who were there, all who were within his hearing. And that's something else that faith does. There should not be such a thing as a secret disciple. Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus their faith became apparent at this time as well. And the Bible says, Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. The Bible says that the believers are soldiers. It doesn't say that they are undercover agents, that they are spies. Uh, it says that they are soldiers. Psalm 40 and verse 10, I have not hidden your righteousness in my heart. I have declared it. Uh, before the great congregation. You have given a banner, Psalm 60 and verse 4, to them who fear you, that it may be displayed because of the truth. These are things that the thief did and in which we see his uh, faith. The word of the Lord Jesus to this thief. Today you will be with me in uh, paradise. A few more hours of terrible physical suffering. But today you will be with me in paradise. The Bible says we are of good cheer and we prefer to be absent from the body and present uh, with uh, the Lord. You will be in paradise, not in purgatory, not in some limbo, in some undefined intermediate state, 
you will be with me in paradise. Matthew 25, the Lord Jesus coming in judgment. There are sheep and there are goats. There is the right and there is the left. There is not a third option. You will be with me in paradise. With me. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Unto myself. John chapter 12 and verse 26, where I am, there also shall my servant be. Now the Lord does not take us to be with him right away. He does so according to his own timing, according to his own will. Pilgrim's Progress, the second part. As for Christian's children, the four boys that Christiana brought with her, with their wives and children. I did not stay where I was till they were gone over. Also, since I came away, I heard one say that they were yet life, and so would be for the increase of the church in that place where they were for a time. They would remain for a time, and during that time they would be for the increase of the church, for the growth of the gospel. Today, the thief had not asked today. He said, remember me. He said, uh, remember me. But the answer of the Lord Jesus was, today, you will be uh, with me. And he added also this word, this word, uh, verily. Uh, a word of confirmation, a word to say that this is indeed uh, true. There are some people who believe that you can lose your salvation. After the Lord Jesus died and this thief stayed alive for some time, perhaps he had doubts, perhaps he thought again of what he had said. Perhaps questions arose in his mind. He lost his faith and he didn't go to be with the Lord Jesus when he died. But this did not happen. And the Bible says that my sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give to them eternal life. They will never uh, perish. Uh, they will never uh, uh, perish. Today you will be with me. Today you'll be with me. People suffered on a cross sometimes for two, three days. Today you will be uh, uh, with me. And this indeed did happen because the Passover was coming. They asked that the legs of the men be broken. This would bring death quickly. It was done. And the two thieves died. And this man went to be with the Lord that day. And perhaps heaven is nearer to us than we think. Eternal things are nearer to us than uh, we think. The Bible says, now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. And one day, we will see our Savior. One day, there'll be a great testimony meeting in heaven. And we'll meet Peter and Andrew and James and John and Stephen and Paul.
and we will meet a man who will say, I am the thief on the cross. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Are we living for the Lord Jesus Christ? The thief on the cross did not have many opportunities. Did not have as many opportunities as we do. The Bible says that he died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him who died for them and rose again. The idea once occurred to me. What did this thief do? With the remaining time that he had. And as the Lord Jesus died, and he died first, he dismissed, gave up his spirit. The idea occurred to me. Maybe he witnessed to the other thief. Maybe he told him, you need to repent, you need to believe. Maybe when we get to heaven we'll find two thieves. I don't know. I don't know. We only know about this uh, one. But one thing we know is that we should strive to take with us as many as we can. Behold I and the sons whom thou hast given me. The witness and testimony of this man has touched lives and hearts down through the ages. And the witness and testimony of each of God's, of each of God's children can have, by God's grace and power, a similar impact. And if you do not know the Lord Jesus as Savior, the way this thief was saved, you can be saved as well. In the same way, through the same blood, through the same cross, through the same Savior, through the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the King of the Jews. If you'll allow me, this is the King of salvation, the King of grace, the King of mercy, the King of forgiveness. Come unto him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our great Savior and all that he endured for our sakes, paying the price, paying the penalty, bearing the punishment of our sins. We thank you for his testimony, even in that darkest of times. For what he said and what he did, and how the heart of this thief was touched, and he came to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus. We pray that you would encourage each heart and strengthen each heart. We pray that you would be with those who do not know you as Savior. We pray that you would help them to say, with this man, Lord, remember me when you come 
in your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.